Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm Jody Heiss, your host. We're thrilled to have you joining us today as our mission today, as always, is to try to provide you a little sight into what's happening behind the scenes in the Beltway of Washington, D.C. So glad to have you, and I'm really, really excited about today's program. We're going to be discussing an extremely interesting upcoming legal battle Uh, We're going to be joined here in just a few moments by my good friend and fellow founding member of the Freedom Caucus, Mo Brooks from Alabama. Mo is at the tip of the spear of an extremely important court case that could have far, far far-reaching ramifications across the country. So let me begin by setting the stage a little bit. Back in May of 2018, Uh, Congressman Mo Brooks joined together with the state of Alabama to file a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Alabama. Now, what was the case all about? Well, it has to do with the federal government's practice of counting illegal individuals in our census. So we're about to have a a decennial census coming up, and uh, this lawsuit has huge ramifications because it goes right to the heart of an extremely important issue. Now, let me kind of unfold this by just a a little bit of reminder in our high school civics class, if you will. Let's just, just remember, you know the census occurs every 10 years. You know that it is mandatorily uh, mandatory based upon our Constitution. And this information that is gathered from the census is then Uh, doled out in multiple ways throughout our nation. For example, the the, uh, information derived from the census impacts the number of seat apportionments in the U.S. House of Representatives. So how many representatives we have here is based upon the information derived from the census. Also, we have billions and billions of dollars in federal funding that are allocated to states and local communities and so forth, based upon the information from the census. So here's what you may not be aware of, and this is the heart of the lawsuit that Mo Brooks is involved in. Currently, the total population of the United States is counted in the census. We are talking everybody, everyone who is present in the United States is counted in the census currently. That means citizens and non-citizens, whether you're eligible to vote or not. This brings us back to the lawsuit that Mo Brooks is involved with. Mo's argument is that congressional seats should be apportioned based on the population of American citizens, not on the entire population of residents, which of course includes millions of people who are here illegally. Now, we don't know In fact, what that number is, we don't know how many illegal individuals are in this country. Let's just say, and I think this is a conservative estimate, but let's just say there are 15 million illegal aliens in America. That comes to roughly 20 congressional seats, 20 congressional seats here in Washington if we just have 15 million illegal aliens that are counted in the census. That's huge. And that is precisely what the lawsuit is all about that we're about to discuss. 
so today we're going to dig further into this lawsuit. This is an extremely important case. I want to find out the process, where we are in the process, what the consequences are going to be if Mo has his way and those who are fighting with him. Uh, Congressman Mo Brooks proudly serves the people of Alabama's 5th District. He serves on two very influential committees, the House Armed Services Committee and also Science, Space, and Technology. He was first uh, elected to the House in 2010, and he is a strong, strong conservative voice, a dear, dear friend, and his only pitfall is that he is a massive Alabama fan. Roll Tide, baby. Hey, well, listen, I really appreciate you wearing that Go Dogs lapel pin today. Wait a second. <laughs> See, people on podcasts don't know if you got it on or not, so I can say whatever. I assure you, I do not have on oh, a Georgia oh. Bulldogs you, lapel pin. You can't pin. believe him. I'm staring at it Are, right now. It did, says Go Dogs. Did all my over primary opponent pay you to say that? <laughs> Oh, goodness. We just got to have a little fun. But, Mo, listen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This is my uh, pleasure. It's a great uh, uh, honor to have you. And this case that you guys are involved with, I think, could have enormous ramifications. And we wanted our listeners to be brought up to speed. So, uh, quickly, let's bring us up uh, a little bit more info on the basics of the lawsuit uh, and how it specifically boils down to impacting apportionment. Alabama has seven congressional districts. We will probably lose a congressional district. If you count for distribution of electoral college vote and congressional position purposes, citizens plus lawful immigrants plus illegal aliens. And our lawsuit asks the court to disallow the counting of illegal aliens people who should not be here. That would mean that the distribution of political power in America, the electoral college votes, and the congressional seats would be based on the count of lawful immigrants plus American citizens, people who are lawfully in the United States of America. This would have, if successful, a widespread impact all over the United States of America. It probably would go a long ways towards shifting political power in the United States government from the major states that are sanctuary states or that have a lot of sanctuary cities in them from those kinds of states like California, New York, to places like Georgia, Alabama, the Plain States, uh, those of us that tend to be more law-abiding. How many seats would it shift? Well, in America right now, you roughly have one congressional seat for every 750,000 people, more or less, based on the 2010 census. You've got different reports on how many illegal aliens are in America. The Census Bureau in 2010 says that they counted 10 million of them. Then they said, well, we probably only had a 10% error factor. 10% of 10 million is 1 million, so 10 plus 1 is 11 million. Then you've got a Yale University study that was done earlier this year, and it suggests that there are 23 million illegal wow. aliens in America now. So I'll give you an example of how much of a congressional electoral college shift you would see if we do not count illegal aliens for the purpose of distributing electoral college vote and congressional seat power. If the 11 million number is correct, 
at 750,000 people per congressional seat, you're probably looking at about 15 or 16 congressional seats that would shift from these high population states, those that have large illegal alien population, to those of us who are more law-abiding. If, on the other hand, Yale University study is more accurate, they say about 23 million illegal aliens in America. And keep in mind, that's the most recent one, too. Census is way back in 2010. Right, and we've had hundreds of thousands of people We've had millions of illegal aliens come in. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, if Yale is correct, then you're probably looking at a shift of about 30 congressional seats and about 30 electoral college votes that elect the President of the United States. Wow. So this can have a huge impact on the policies of the United States of America by impacting the type of people that we elect to the United States Congress and the president that we elect based on that potential swing of 30 congressional seats and electoral college votes from high illegal alien states to those of us that are more law-abiding. So how did this lawsuit come about in Alabama, and how, how, how did it originate? Steve Marshall, who is the Attorney General of the state of Alabama, asked me if I would be willing to assist him in pursuing this in federal court. Steve Marshall would represent the state of Alabama. Uh, I, as a United States congressman, would represent congressional interests. And I said, and absolutely. have standing. Yes, the, it helps okay. with standing if you have okay. a congressman, in addition to the interests of the state of Alabama. And I said, absolutely. Just tell me what you want me to do, and I'm there because this illegal alien problem is huge in a lot of different ways. And I don't like the adverse effect that the illegal alien problem has on the rights of American citizens to control their own government, to control their own future of their country. And so I'm doing anything and everything I can, including being a plaintiff along with the state of Alabama in this litigation against the Census Bureau. Now, it's in federal court in Birmingham. Uh, one of the traditional strategies of uh, defendants under these circumstances is delay, delay, delay. So although the lawsuit was filed over a year ago, we still have not had a dispositive court hearing on who's right and who's wrong. We did have a scheduling conference in federal court. I was there a couple of weeks ago in Birmingham Federal Court, and it looks like we're probably going to be in a position to get a federal court order sometime in the summer of 2020. So the Census Bureau, uh, obviously, they have the ability to give some estimate of the number of illegal aliens in America because they gave us a count in 2010 right. when Barack Obama was president. So I'm hopeful that they will be in a position to at least give us some count. I don't know if it'll be a total count, but some count of illegal aliens in America so that we can not include them for the purposes of distributing that political power. Conversely stated, Census Bureau, just tell us who the American citizens are, tell us who the lawful immigrants are, how many of them there are in each state, and we'll handle it from there. Wow. So a lot of this, the the origin, if you will, of, of illegals being counted on the census goes back to the 14th Amendment and the whole argument with the whole person, as I understand it. Is that kind of where we started well, this, this counting of illegals? It actually goes back to the original Constitution and the provisions in the Constitution relating to the census. 
and the distribution of that political power. Although in fairness, it took a good while before the United States of America statutorily came up with the concept of someone being illegally here. You know, in the early days of our country, if you just showed up, you're considered yeah, you were American. lawful because we didn't have laws that made it illegal to just come into our country. But as the country has exhausted its expansion capabilities, having long ago reached the West Coast with Westward Ho, um, a decision was made that we were going to try to have better control over those who want to come into the United States of America. This has become extremely important from a financial aspect, if nothing else, beginning in the 1950s and 1960s, when we had an explosion of welfare costs that uh, nowadays a lot of these illegal aliens try to tap into. Right. By way of example, um, if the Census Bureau numbers are accurate, you've probably got about $115 billion in net tax losses to American taxpayers at the city, county, state, and federal level from illegal aliens being in our country. That's how much they consume in services that they don't pay for in taxes. Uh, if the Yale University study is correct, then it exceeds $200 billion a year wow. in net tax losses. So that's a part of the problem with illegal aliens being here. This lawsuit, however, does not address that. That's a bigger issue for another day. Well, you just got to take one step at a time with this. We focus strictly on the distribution of political power and I believe we have a compelling argument under the 14th Amendment under the Equal Protection Clause that is designed to ensure that each person's vote is worth as much as another person's vote. And in federal elections, only citizens can vote for President of the United States, right. U.S. Senate, uh, U.S. Congress. And if you happen to live in a district, by way of example, this is a hypothetical, where half of the people who live in that congressional district are illegal. That means an American citizen's vote is worth twice as much as an American citizen's vote, say, in the 5th Congressional District of Alabama, where we have very, very, very few illegal right. aliens. And so that is a dilution of the vote of citizens in my district, my part of the state of Alabama, and that's wrong under equal protection, one man, one vote principles. And, and you know this as, as well as a lot of other people who are in elected office. When we have to reapportion and draw new district lines based on the most recent census, uh, when we redraw those congressional seats, we have to be within like a half percent or a percent, some very small number of the perfect average number of people in each congressional district in each state. That's based on one man, one vote principles. Well, all of that is just thrown out the door. Right. If you have a congressional seat in some state where a citizen's vote is worth twice as much as that in another congressional district in another state because the first congressional district has a huge number of illegal aliens, thereby decreasing the number of citizens, thereby magnifying or multiplying the impact of the vote of those citizens in that first congressional seat. Right. And, and I agree with you, too, that it seems uh, unthinkable that our founders even had the ability to comprehend so many illegals being here that it would impact uh, the apportionment of, of, of each district. 
Now, how significant, when, you, when looking at this lawsuit, uh, if decided in your favor, you've already touched on this, but this is really a game changer kind of case uh, it, because it does massively impact the, uh, the seats in, in the, the House and the Electoral College as well. I mean, this really is a huge case, the ramifications of which are widespread uh, in shaking up the landscape of our country. It will have a major influence on what direction our country takes on a variety of public policy issues open borders versus border security, free enterprise versus socialism, moral values versus amorality. Uh, just go down the list. So it goes without saying, Mo, but who's on the other side? And I, I, get, I mean, I know that generally speaking, we can all guess who's on the other side of well, this lawsuit, I'll lay it but out. specifically... Is the Socialist Democrats. Okay, but who's your... your who is on the other side of the lawsuit. Itself. In the lawsuit, this may surprise you, but it's the Census Bureau administered by the Trump administration, and it's the Justice Department controlled by the Trump administration. Wow. Now, we have had since then a number of communities and states around the United States who want that additional political power join in the lawsuit. By way of example, uh, just, uh, again, a couple of weeks ago, we probably had a dozen, maybe 15 left-wing uh, blue states that joined the lawsuit to fight us. Uh, I wish that the Trump administration was not fighting us too, uh, but nonetheless, for whatever reason, they are. Uh, do you have any reason why? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So where is the lawsuit now? Where, where do we stand? You said uh, you're hoping to have some sort of uh, movement by the summer of uh, 2020. We have a scheduling order that either has already been entered by our federal court judge or is about to be entered based on the scheduling conference where all the parties participated a couple of weeks ago. And the bottom line is sometime in the June of 2020 timeframe, we will be in a position to file what are called dispositive motions. Uh, that's your motion for summary judgment or motion for judgment on the pleadings, uh, whatever the case may be. And it's going to be almost entirely a legal argument, not a factual dispute. The facts are pretty clear. And that should empower the judge to then render a decision as quickly as he wants to. We certainly need a decision in place by November or December of 2020. It's in that time frame that the Census Bureau will share its census data with the president on how many states get how many congressional seats and how many electoral college votes. So we want a court order in place before the Census Bureau shares that data with the president, who then is obligated to distribute it to the 50 states so that they know how many congressional seats they're going to have, and they can start working on that congressional redistricting. Is this one of those cases that ultimately will be appealed and appealed and end up in the Supreme Court? Absolutely. It will be appealed, and absolutely the losing side will take it all the way to the United States Supreme Court. In the interim, though, we will have a federal judge who has entered a federal court order for one side or the other. Even if we are unsuccessful, say, with the reapportionment, the, the redistricting that occurs immediately after the 2020 census for the 2022 elections, at some point in time, we're going to get a Supreme Court opinion that's going to resolve this 
issue one way or the other. And I hope that the federal district court will rule in our favor. I hope the Supreme Court will sustain it so that we will not have to redraw district lines after the 2022 elections. But you know, there have been occasions where the federal courts, for whatever reason, don't like the district lines immediately after a census, uh, district lines that have been drawn by a state's legislature. And I, I hope that we will not have a requirement that all 50 states have to redraw their district lines because of an inconsistency between the federal district court ruling and the Supreme Court ruling, but time will tell on that. Last question, Mo, where can people go to stay on top of this as it unfolds? And I know it's months and maybe years away. Is, is there anywhere that people can just kind of stay informed as the status? They can try to get a hold of the pleadings that are in federal court in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't know the case number right offhand. Okay. But that's where the pleadings are. But the bottom line is this. We're going to have perhaps some sort of motions between now and June. I'm not really sure what they're going to be, but there may be some. We will undoubtedly have some fact discovery. Those are depositions, interrogatories, things of that nature. And then in the spring of 2020, that's when the real battle begins, where we make our dispositive motions before the court each side will be arguing that as a matter of law, they are entitled to a federal court judgment in their favor. And then our federal court judge in Birmingham, he's going to make a decision. Hopefully he'll make a decision that's in the best interest of our country and the rights of American citizens to have the equal protection in their voting rights that the 14th Amendment guarantees. Well, Mo Brooks, I want to thank you for joining this podcast and bringing this incredible case to the forefront of our listeners. I think this is a massive importance for everyone. Thank you for your leadership and, and being on the tip of the spear on this. My pleasure, Jody. Well, thank you so much, folks. Listen, that's all the time we have on this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed this program, please take time to rate us and subscribe and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, for more uh, information, you can always go to uh, Freedom Caucus and uh, fa facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and also at Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, it's an honor to have you. Go dogs. We'll see you next time.